This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It really is marvellous to have you here. Thanks so much for tuning into Sustainable-ish. Today I've got an interview lined up for you with Tom Niche, who is the founder and head honcho of Yora Pet Food, who claim to be the world's most sustainable pet food. So what makes them so sustainable, I hear you ask? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's because the food is made from insects. It looks just like regular dried dog food and it seems pretty tasty. Not, I hasten to add that I've tried it, but Spud, our border terrier, has and she is a fussy little sod, but it's been given her seal of approval, so it must taste okay. The message seems to be slowly getting through that we should be reducing the amount of meat that we're eating in our own diets, but I genuinely never really thought much about the amount of meat that our pets are eating. Many of the premium bats premium brand, why was that so hard to say, pet foods focus their marketing on the fact that their food is made using human grade food. And we've bought into the fact that this is a good thing. But hang on a minute, shouldn't we be focusing on feeding the human grade food to humans? The first time I saw your, I probably came across it on social media, I was fascinated by the concept. And I have to say slightly freaked out by the thought that it might be a bag full of dried crickets or similar. And I absolutely love the concept and the whole ethos behind the company. So tune in your ears and listen in as I get the lowdown and hopefully all your questions answered from Tom. Enjoy. Hi, Tom. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. It's really exciting to have you here. I'm really excited to ask you loads and loads of questions. Um, But first off, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and guess what you did pre-Euro as well, how you got here. Hi, I'm Tom and uh, I'm a designer, product developer and now pet food entrepreneur Um, and I've created a new food brand that is one of the first in the world to use insect protein in dog food. Okay, right. So, to backpedal a little bit, what was the motivation behind starting Euro then? So uh, one of my main clients, or my, the main bulk of my work, um, has oddly been uh, designing pet food packaging mm-hmm. and up with pet food brands. And um, I don't like to blow my own trumpet, but they've been very successful. And then that set me thinking as... I started trying to lead a more sort of 
mindful existence and eating less meat and trying to recycle more and, and do my bit since I had kids. Um, it, I realized just how many tons of meat get eaten by cats and dogs. And that set the ball rolling in my head. And I started doing some research and it turns out that insects are an amazing, healthy, nutritional alternative to, to regular meat. Okay, there's loads of things I want to ask you now. So would you say that having the kids, having your kids was your motivator for starting to look around and worry a bit more about the state of the planet or was it something that was happening earlier? It was, it was mainly after I had kids. Before that, I had a very sort of devil may care attitude to <laughs> how I treat the environment and my own body. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the hangovers to prove it. Uh, <laughs> but I think as we all grow up, we realise that we've got to do our bit. Yeah. You know, not, I, I think I spent a lot of my time thinking, well, you know, what, what difference can an individual make? Yeah. Um, but if everyone thinks like that, then we're screwed. Yes. So kids and grandkids potentially in the pipeline need to, I don't want them to look back and look at how we lived and think that we were contributing more than we needed to. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my big motivators is I think I don't want my kids to turn around to me in 30 years time and say, what the hell were you doing? Like, why weren't you doing anything to try and change this? And I want to be able to say, well, you know, as one person, I did everything that I could, which sounds a bit worthy, but. (laughs) I mean, it's a bit like those old um, World War One posters. What did you do in the war? Someone else said that to me the other day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So traditionally, I guess, I mean, you know, eons ago, pets, uh, animals would have just been fed whatever was kind of left over after we'd cooked it on the campfire or whatever. Yeah. More and more, and and, and, and I guess as um, pet food became a manufactured thing, it would have been the sort of scrapings off the floor and everything that was left behind after the um, human meat was made. But more and yeah. more now, we're getting this very premium grade pet food made with uh, organic meat, made with free range chicken, all those kinds of things. And I hadn't really thought about it before but once I sort of found your brand I was like oh my god yeah that all that meat is human grade stuff that could be feeding humans and it's having the same environmental impact as the meat that we're eating and that we're trying to reduce so is that something that obviously that you discovered as you started that's that's exactly it it's the food up until you know 10 years ago I've been I've been I've been in the pet trade now Amazingly, for 25 years mm. since I was 14, working in a working in my local pet shop, yeah. that is still one of my main clients to this day. Um, and yeah, it used to be um, just the you know everything that we couldn't or wouldn't eat ground up, and that's a very good, very environmentally friendly use of a byproduct, and I think that's that's fantastic, but. It's as the food industry has grown into this multi-trillion pound industry worldwide, um, the only the the way that they can make the food more appealing to consumers is by putting call it, so feeding our pets like we feed people. Yeah. And so our job as 
pet food manufacturers was always to make it seem as appealing and tasty and venison with gooseberry extract and all that good stuff. I started thinking more and more that there aren't, there isn't enough resources to go around for the humans of this world. Yeah. And we're sitting here like Roman, I, I, I see us as sort of Roman emperors sitting there with starving people outside the door you know, taking all the best food for themselves and, you know, feeding all the, the fine parts to, their, to, the, to the dog at the table. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, cats and dogs, the pet food that we feed our pets is far, it's got all the, everything that they need, but it doesn't taste anything like you would find in nature. Yeah. And once we've made our food, our, our insect protein food, to the to dogs looks and tastes and smells exactly like regular food. Yeah. And if they enjoy it, then that's brilliant. Why did you decide on insects? Was that an obvious first choice once you started looking around for other protein sources? Well, because cats and dogs are dogs are able to digest more vegetable yeah. matter and get some nutrition from vegetables, but I'm of the belief that it's not a good idea to, for a dog to be fully vegetarian unless it has to be, yeah. unless it's allergic to everything else. I still think that they do have, they're, they're still very biologically similar to wolves, which mm-hmm. are fully carnivorous. And so we needed to find the most efficient animal protein, mm-hmm. and that is insect. Yeah. Still animal protein so much better for the environment yeah which i can tell you about i know you've got some brilliant um infographics and i love an infographic tell me about that journey you decided on insects and then because there's a big gap isn't there between going wouldn't it be awesome if someone made a dog food made of insects to going i'm going to make a dog food made of insects like that how how and why did you make that jump well because of my contacts in the pet industry, I think if the average person was walking on the street and they decided they wanted to make a dry dog food kibble, they would have a much harder job of it than I did. So I got manufacturing partners and nutritionists all at my disposal because I spoke to my clients and they were all interested in the idea Uh and they have all been very supportive and let me their expertise. And um, it's it's nice. They they don't see it as being a, a massive threat to their industry. Okay. Um, but I hope that we do, over time, we will get more and more market share, especially as we're feeding our insect protein is the only protein source that's going to get cheaper. Mm-hmm. Over yeah. Is. meat is only getting more and more and more expensive yeah um, it becomes more scarce and also um, from what I gather from talking to some of my um, customers to give an idea of how things are going carcasses that are used in the pet food industry are arriving at the pet food plant with less meat on the bone and so they're needing more carcasses and there's less meat on the bone because people are poorer 
and they're scraping more and more meat off for their own plates. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's an indication that this is this is the time to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if the rise in vegetarianism and veganism continues at the rate that it's going, growing at that rate, then hopefully that will translate into fewer animals being farmed mm-hmm. and therefore fewer carcasses being available. And so we will, we are insect protein will sort of grow to fill that, that gap that's left in the market. So tell us a little bit about the insects then. I'm not even going to attempt to say the name. I'm going to make you say it. Uh, they're called Hemesha elucens. Right. And that's the, um, the Latin name for the larvae of the black soldier fly. And we understand that, unfortunately, they don't have the prettiest names, but the, the grubs themselves are incredibly nutritious. Um, so the, the thing is with larvae and why they're so nutritious is their entire biological imperative is to break down biomass of any sort and convert it into useful fats, proteins, and minerals in their bodies mm-hmm. that, they, that then gives them they can use to give them the energy to metamorphosize into the final yeah. step after they've larva, egg, larva, pupa, adult. Okay. Um, so they're basically like, in many ways, a lot like eggs. They're just like a, a, a unit of pure nutrition that yeah. gives them the energy to, to, to grow. And so if we harvest them at the right stage, then we harvest them just as they're about to pupate. So they're going into a state of sort of suspended animation, if you will. And it's when they're at their most nutritious, and then we um, wash them with ice-cold water, which puts them into a state even further into suspended animation and then we just quickly grind them up okay so for anyone trying to imagine what they look like this probably isn't the word that you would choose but they do look like little maggots don't they yes they do. <laughs> okay if you imagine but they have insects and larvae like these have been the key part of the global food chain since the dawn of time mm-hmm. If you can imagine a bird swooping down and eating a, a grub or an earthworm or a fish or a small monkey, or if you look at apes, our closest relatives fishing for grubs using, using tools, mm. and our ancestors would have eaten them. And grubs and insects are still in a major part of the diet of a massive part of the, the human population. We've just grown out of the habit of of eating them yeah but to be honest people can get all the nutrition they need from vegetables yeah you don't you don't need to have that extra protein source but for our carnivorous little friends they do need that they do need something like this and um and the best part of the grubs is they're fed on recycled or leftover vegetable waste from the food industry. I was going to ask so you what they're fed on. So, so these grubs are yeah. commercially farmed, aren't they? Yes. And in the Netherlands, is that right? Did I read that? 
Yep. So they're, they're a company called Protix who first started farming grubs to feed to salmon and for okay. fish. Um, and also to, for, for pigs and chickens because it's a way of turning leftover, like I said, leftover vegetable waste yeah. into nutritious protein that can be fed to animals. And that is an amazing use of a byproduct. And once they've, once the grubs have finished munching on the vegetable waste, what's left in the tray after we've harvested the grubs is a really good um, fertilizer. Oh, okay, Compl- so the grub poo essentially is then fertilizer for the. Yeah, I mean they, they work a lot like earthworms. They are the black soldier flies are amongst nature's. They're called the primary composters, and so if you were in a forest and you drop down dead, <laughs> then you would quickly be turned back to earth by okay. by grubs like these. But they also they thrive on any sort of biomass, meat or vegetable. Yeah, um, and so. Um, Without them, the world would, much like earthworms, if every earthworm died, you couldn't. The, the world would just cease to be able to yeah. produce anything. So they are integral to the to the planet's functioning. Yeah. Have they got a big colony of these soldier flies somewhere, just kind of laying eggs on things? And how does all that bit work? Protex in the Netherlands is the world leader in farming these insects on mass and they do it incredibly efficiently every part of the process has been designed so that they can produce it using as little energy as possible i mean i'll give you an example these grubs when they're munching away on their food they actually pump out an enormous amount of heat i don't know if you've ever put your hand in a bucket of larvae but i have <laughs> okay um, if you ever get the chance, try it. Um, it's hot. And so they've even got heat exchangers that collect the heat emitted by the grubs that gets used to yeah. heat the factory. Wow. Um, and so they're farmed in these special trays on this sort of ground up, this substrate that's made from the leftover vegetables. Um, and they're tended by a robot nurse. And one of the great things about this larvae is it's the only ethically... It's the only ethical way that you can mass produce animal protein because they can they thrive in a close, cramped environment. That's how they that's their absolute favourite. Yeah. Um, can't do that with chickens. Can't do that with other animals because that's cruel. But yeah. for the larvae, they can produce uh, they produce tons of this stuff uh, a month. It's amazing. And it's all got so many agricultural uses. So you've got some great stats that you use on your website for and on your promotional stuff about the amount of land usage and water and carbon dioxide and things comparing insects to, or your, specifically your insects, to meat. Can you share some of those with us? Yeah, so the, the stats on our website are, it's not just, for instance, the, the land area needed to raise the cattle or the chickens it's also the amount of land needed to grow the food that they need mm-hmm. um, and that's the thing we take I think two-thirds of the soya 
production of the planet is fed to livestock. Mm-hmm. Um, so with, it's an incredibly inefficient way to get nutrition into a person is to take one form of protein, feed it to an animal over the course of a few weeks or months, then slaughter that animal and then feed that to us. Mm-hmm. We'd be a lot better off if everyone just ate the soya. Um, so for instance, so we use, I think, um, I, I, I don't know how to break it down. So 45 meters squared for a grub mm-hmm. to raise 10, to produce 10 kilograms of protein. Yeah. 2,100 for cattle. Wow. 300 for chickens. Yeah. And uh, the amount of water that we need is um, 54,000 litres versus 1.1 million litres for cattle. Wow. And this is for 10 kilos of protein from each source? Yes. Wow. Okay. It's, we, we, we are just, the, the, we, we have the tiniest, Im, tiniest percentage impact mm-hmm. compared to, to animal. Yeah. And also... Um, I, I believe that we use less, we produce less greenhouse emissions and use less land and water than, um, growing soya. Oh, okay. The environment than most vegetable options because we use this leftover food waste. Yeah. And as you said, the heat capture thing and all that kind of thing, it's really clever. Yeah. They need very, very little input from the planet. Yeah. So once the the insects, you say they're sort of cold shocked and then they're quickly squished up. And do they yeah. make a kind of flour type powder or? Yeah. So the the um, the insect mush, as we call it, is then technical term. Te- that is the technical term. I don't want to blind you with science. But, um, <laughs> they that's then gently cooked, and the fats are separated into one stream, and the sort of and then we sort of dry out the, the protein mm-hmm. to create a sort of a flour, we call right. it. Um, and so our food has got a combination of the fat and the dry, and we also use, we also freeze whole grubs, and those go into our, our mix as well. Oh, cool. And what are the other ingredients that uh, make up the food? Um, lovely things like... Every, every ingredient has been selected for its nutritional and environmental credentials. So rather than using sweet potato, like most um, high-end pet foods use, we use good old English potatoes. Yeah. Um, oats farmed in the field next door to the factory. Um, beetroot, everything that is easy to grow and doesn't need as much um, pesticides mm-hmm. and or water. Yeah. And I, I, that's one of the things I really love is that the ethos, I guess, of sustainability runs through the whole thing and right through to your packaging. Because am I right in saying that that's home compostable as well? Yeah. And also the um, all of the board members are also compostable at the end of the day. <laughs> so is the food made in the Netherlands where the grubs are farmed or is it made over here? No, they bring the, the, the insects, the only thing that we import. Everything mm-hmm. else comes from the UK and we make with manufacturing in the UK. Brilliant. And as the um, as the cost of our raw ingredient, the insects comes down, we will be passing those savings on to our customers. The problem with being a sort of 
leader in the field is it does mean that we are more expensive because it's a, a brand new product and the, yeah. our ingredients are more expensive. Now I asked in my Facebook group, I said I was going to interview you and did anybody have any questions? And one that's come up a couple of times is should dogs be eating insects? Yeah, why not? It's one form of meat protein is very is, is, is much like another. Yeah. Um, and if anything, if any of uh, your listeners' pets have got allergies to any meats, mm-hmm. they're very unlikely to have an allergy yeah. to insects because it's not been a historical part of their diet. Yeah. And so we're finding that it's doing really, really well on dogs with, that are sensitive to, to some protein sources. Yeah. Because essentially when a dog eats protein or when we eat protein, it's broken down by the body into the amino acid building blocks to then be used by our body. So I guess it doesn't really matter where that protein source comes from. Unless exactly. It's... exactly. Brilliant. Um, how many bugs does it take to make a bag is another question that somebody wanted to ask. And I have no idea if you want to know the answer to that one. I have absolutely no idea. Because you need to find out that's a brilliant Hundreds. Question. Hundreds and hundreds. Mm. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. But that is a very good question. I'll have to try and find out. You'll be counting. There's a lot that. because um, most there there are a couple of other insect protein based dog foods out there, um, but we have them. We have the highest inclusion. That's why we are we are more expensive because we didn't want to just create a bug flavored food. Yeah. We wanted it to. We wanted it to be the main source of nutrition yeah if you might not be able to answer this and i can't because my dog has eaten it and she eats it and she likes it what does it taste like Everyone says, does everything taste like chicken i don't know no it doesn't taste like chicken i would say it's got a slightly mushroomy taste to it slightly truffly yeah um is the best way i can put it i'll tell you exactly what it tastes like it tastes like insects have you eaten the dog food and have you eaten the bugs I've eaten the dog food. I haven't eaten these bugs okay. personally. Oh, actually, no, I have because we're working on our wet food at the moment. So I've had a pate made of the bugs. Oh, wow. And like, and it is it's a sort of mushroomy taste. I wouldn't want to eat much of it, <laughs> but every, uh, every dog that we put it in front of has absolutely wolfed it down. So wow. who am I to argue? Yeah, so wet food. There's a wet food. There's treats imminent um and also um later on once the price of the protein has come down we'll be able to produce a grain-free version and we are and the cat food should be coming out towards the end of the year as well brilliant because so yes, we want to have a full that. range um and another question that i had in the group was i think especially with the higher end cat um pet foods now we're used to having life stage diets and we're used to having diets specifically especially the veterinary prescription diets for specific breeds and things yes and yura is packaged as an all breed food and for all life stages how does that work yes so we've got um a high inclusion of glucosamine and chondroitin so we've got all the joint care that you mm-hmm. usually have in a large breed yeah and it also means that any any dog's will have good strong joints um, because we are niche it's it wouldn't make sense the costs would go up a lot if we had to produce various different yeah. versions for different breeds 
Um, and also, as we grow, we will be producing a puppy food. We will be producing a senior and or light version yeah. um, moving forwards. Um, but because this is an unproven market, we wouldn't be able to convince stockists to, sure. to take to have a full rack of your yeah. stage. But judging by the response that we've been having from the pet trade, I don't see that being a problem in the future. But I don't. It's going to be we're going to be one of those products. It's going to be slow, steady growth mm-hmm. uh, because there's a lot of hurdles to get a our consumers minds to jump through they've got to first of all we've got to help them realize that the foods they're feeding aren't good for the environment and care about that and make an enormous leap because they've been they've been trained by the food industry Mm. for so long you've got to feed your pet your pet is your child you've got to feed exactly what you would feed your your children um but they don't as long as they thrive on this then it doesn't need to have the finest yeah. um, venison fresh from the, the highlands of Scotland yeah. um, for your dog to actually enjoy it because they don't really care. Yeah, where it comes from. It's, yeah. No, it, it, it's where pet food is sold to consumers, yeah. not pets. Yeah, definitely. So, And how has the response been both from consumers and, as you said, from the pet industry? Absolutely fantastic. We've got a... Um, uh, no questions asked, money back guarantee, which yep. I think one or two customers have used. And that's somebody it. asked, I think, about trial bags. And I know I asked um, another pet company a while ago about trial bags. And, and sometimes it's just not cost effective to, to do it. It's not cost effective or good for the environment. But mm-hmm. I will say that um, first free delivery yep. is your f- f- uh, on the first order. And if your pet doesn't like it, then we'll give you your money back. Mm-hmm. You don't even need to send us the bag back. We'd just trust you to take the bag and give it to a friend or a local dog charity. Yeah, brilliant. I've that seen it available cool. in, we've got a Pets Corner, I think, which I presume is a franchise or a chain near us. Yes. I've seen it in there. Is it in most of the large sort of pet supermarkets? Or We're working on it. Okay. We're working on it. Uh, Pets Corner are actually um, our first stockists. They're our main oh, stockists. Um, and we've been going to trade shows and we're getting, we're, we only want to be sold in independent pet shops. Okay. We're not selling to the supermarkets. Yeah. Um, but you can buy us online or at your, hopefully soon, your independent pet shop. Brilliant. So at the moment, online and if people have a Pets Corner local to them, they can. Yes, or scampers. Brilliant. And where can people find you online if they want to come and have a bit more of an explore? Um, YouraPetFoods.com. That's Y-O-R-A PetFoods.com. Brilliant. And you're on most of the social media channels I think I've found you on as well. Yep. Do you know where we got our name from? Oh, yeah, go on. I was going to say, is there anything I haven't asked you? Um, So we called ourselves Yora after the Yora tribe in the Amazon, who are one of the last uncontacted tribes. And it's basically in honour of those people who live in harmony with nature, who are the most at risk of the West's appetites for meat. Wow, that's 
very profound and quite a good pub, pub quiz question. Yes. Well, when, <laughs> when, pub, when pub quizzes are asking yes, where about the, your food. more comes from, I think I'll... You'll I'll know you've made it. <laughs> I've always wanted to be a pub quiz question. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a bucket list <laughs> thing, isn't it? <laughs> You've been listening to Sustainable-ish, you wonderful sack of loveliness, with me, Jen Gale. Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small. Every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time. Bye.